0: Welcome to the Positive Populist, everyone. I'm joined today by Jason Chaffetz, and I'm gonna begin with the question I ask all my guests. Are you Jason Chaffetz a positive populist? Yes. Could you ever become one? You're already in there with a yes. No, I think so. I Very I, good. I I love what you know, I love the show. Yeah. Watching the show
1: and I'm honored to have been on a few times with you. And I I, I think there is a real positive nature, and I think that taps into what America uh-huh wants to see, hear, feel from their government leaders. And I, I get a chance to speak across the country. And I get—I it, it does not matter if I'm in Iowa or Georgia. It doesn't matter.
0: I get the same type of positive reaction. To and this. then let's look at the sort of populist part of it, because you're, you know, originally well known to everyone as a Republican member of Congress. And now you're on Fox News. I want to talk about that in a second because we both kind of made that transition from politics to right. being in the media, which is like really weird for me. I don't know what it's like for you, but I'll get to that in a second. But I'm more interested in the in, in sort of your navi- your personal navigation of the of the Trump phenomenon as a Republican and then someone who saw the Trump phenomenon happening and this word populism that's associated with that, just how did that feel when that was going on and where do you place yourself now?
1: So to make a long story very short, I was in the business community for 16 years. I didn't think I was going to be in politics. Right. And then through some good luck and some you know, serendipity, I ended up uh, becoming the campaign manager and the chief of staff to the governor of Utah. And from uh-huh. there- Who was that? Uh, it was John Huntsman. And oh, I'm right. very okay. grateful for the experience that he gave me. Uh, Which led to my looking at the House, the Senate and the presidency, which at the time was controlled by the Republicans or Mm -hmm. before that was controlled by the Republicans. And and I argued, I thought, you know what, the Republicans had the House, the Senate and the presidency and they blew it. They're not doing some simple basic things that everybody in the country wants us to do. Uh So I got elected the same time as Barack Obama. And I, I, from my vantage point, I saw things getting worse, not better. I remember the $787 billion that Obama got to, to stimulate the economy, and it was spent on government. It wasn't spent on roads, bridges, and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Things like that that just really, to my core, offended me the more I got to dive deep into it, where mm-hmm. I could spend 24 hours of my day looking at how the government works. And um, – it was really interesting because you move forward to the Trump presidency. I didn't see it at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I supported uh, Marco Rubio. I thought he was a good president, uh, would be a good president. I, I disagreed with him on immigration issues, but I agreed with him on other things. Yep. But the more I saw and listened and heard to Donald Trump, there's a reason why with the 16 or 17 Republicans that were out there, the one that prevailed was not the politician not the person who did this for a living but the person who was disruptive unconventional and had some different ideas mm-hmm. that
0: resonated with the american people so let's go so you you essentially you're saying that for most of your life, you didn't think of yourself as a politician either. You weren't. No, no I was in you the business. You worked in business. What, t- tell us about that. What did you do?
1: I got my degree in corporate communications. I uh, worked for a company, New Skin Enterprises, for 10 and a half years. Mm-hmm. Then I had my own Where was company. That? It was in Utah. Uh-huh. I got recruited to play football at Brigham Young University. I, was, I wasn't I was really a football player. I was a place kicker. You right. know, I've, I grew up playing a lot of soccer and, and uh-huh. uh, kicked some footballs through those uprights. Um, met my wife, got a good job. Had my own business, kind of went it out is on my own. All in Utah. All in Utah. Salt yeah. Lake? In, in just south of Salt right. Lake. And then my mother actually passed away from cancer. Uh, she fought breast cancer and uh-huh. and a good 10 year battle. I uh, grew very close to my mother during that time, uh, even closer than I had been before. It was the same year that the Huntsman started the Huntsman Cancer Institute, and I was oh, touched wow. by that. So my entrance to politics was a desire to give back. I didn't know much about John Huntsman, but I thought, "Wow, this family put in hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars to fight cancer. I can put up some campaign yard signs." And it turned out to be a I little bit that more than that.
0: Personal connection. But yeah. what about the? So, the, just tell us about some of the places you worked. So I think it's always interesting. Like, I, when I think about. You know that some things I've ended up doing. I, I like you actually, finally, I was very similar. I, you know, most I think of myself mostly as I've as a business person working. I've yeah. started companies and worked in companies and so on. What are some of the that really informs what you how you approach yeah, issues I, and problems? What what tell us some of the specific. When you started a company, well, tell us about that. How did that Well,
1: work? the the company I worked before that was a high growth company, and mm-hmm. so they were making decisions and growing exponentially by tens of millions of dollars, and consequently, a kid in his 20s was taking on management responsibilities he probably shouldn't or wouldn't right. be able to do otherwise. But when I left that, I was hired to help manage some other companies. Uh-huh. And I got to have a real critical eye on saying, look, this works and this doesn't. You yeah. should do this and you shouldn't do this. Or I'd come in to help evaluate a company on how they did marketing and sales and how they uh-huh. spent their money and what is their marketing message and, and how that sales cycle. Right. It's really interesting because I think it's that private sector experience. You know how people all the time say... Well, I want to get into politics. What should I do? And the and the the best thing I tell him said, don't get into politics. Right. You got to have some real life experience, and then you can lean on that experience in government. Because I I worry that this bureaucracy, these 2.2 million federal employees, yeah. they spend their whole life. That's what they do. That's work, their whole life. Exactly. And they have no other perspective, and no sort of responsibility of understanding what it means to meet a budget and write a. Write a check to make sure that it balances and they make an investment. Really they're true. They're they're oblivious to that
0: whole idea. And it's not because I'm always at pains to point this out when I've talked about it or tried to work on it as I did back in the UK in, in, in terms of reforming the civil service. They're not bad people. It's not that they have no. an ill intent usually. It's it's just they don't know any different and they don't have that exactly as you say, that pressure of the accountability. That now, that's particularly strong when you have your own business, as I, as I have. It so gets I wanna, real. I wanna, tell me about, I really want to know, like, when when did that, when was that? And how did you get going and what happened?
1: So, it was really, I, I was at the other company until about the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And then I had gone down to Australia and New Zealand. I was the general manager for Australia and New Zealand. Oh, wow. Fascinating okay. experience. Wanted to get outside of the U.S. Yeah. My wife and I were young and had two kids at the time. But then when I came back and I had my own my own little company. And if I didn't go out and make a sale or get a new client and mm-hmm. keep that client happy, guess what? Then we didn't eat. I didn't have an income. Now, we did pretty well, well enough
0: that I thought, you but know. But did you come back in order to start a business here or how? how what was that? No. I, what I, was I, in your mind when you said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing? I, this
1: company, New Skin Enterprise, has been great mm-hmm. for me. But I thought, if I don't leave now, then I'll be here forever. Oh, you see, that's really interesting. And, and I felt like I didn't want to do that. I, I love the company. I really liked the people. I was there from kind of the ground floor. But I thought, no, I want to get out and, and broaden my horizons. Yeah. I, 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 I like the variety of life. That's a part what I liked about Congress is the wide variety. Yeah. But I thought... I want to apply myself in a different way. And I like taking on new challenges. And I read a book that was very informative mm-hmm. to me in my younger years. It's called It's not the big that eats the it's not the big that eat the small, it's the fast that eat the slow.
0: Right. Yes, I heard of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and it was very and it was really fascinating that if you stay too long in some place, mm-hmm. you get stale. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first take on a job, and I think this is so true, this is a, a lesson that's lost on government. When you first take on a job, you're energetic you you got new creative ideas. You look at everything fresh. Everything's positive. But a couple years into it, and they talked about this in the book, mm-hmm. you start to get a little stale. Your creativity got drops. And then the ideas that maybe you implemented that maybe didn't go so well, you start defending the fort. Oh. And you start saying, well, of course I couldn't have made a wrong decision. But that's not in the best interest of a company. And I don't think it's in the best interest of a yeah. nation. I think you actually have to go back and say, wait, there's got to be a better, smarter way to do this that's more yeah. efficient, more economical, and better for the taxpayers. And you know what? Maybe we shouldn't even be doing it at all, even though we did so it in the past.
0: That mindset was mm-hmm. was there with you from your way before you got into politics. You, you, have, oh, you yeah. brought that to it. Yeah. See, this is just so important, I find.
1: It, it, it's that turnover. I, I, I played, to, like I said, it was just a place kicker. The head coach... Lavelle Edwards had been there for a long time, yeah. but he liked having new assistants because he wanted to look at a new way to play the offense and a new way to play the defense, a new way to do things, mm. and it made us a
0: powerhouse at the time. Mm. They were mm. really quite effective and quite good then. That's just so interesting because you do, that you know we talk about government and the bureaucracy, you know, being. being you know, it's erotic and, 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 and all the rest of it. And it's, sometimes people just hear that and think, well, you're just attacking them. You're just being, you don't know, like civil servants or the public sector or whatever. But it's really not that. It's it's actually much, much deeper. It's the, it's, yeah. it's the fact that you're not getting that that kind of freshness and energy that you need to deliver good performance in any area.
1: Well, that's the thing is uh, I find that most federal workers, they're patriotic. They're hardworking. Um But I don't think they can help but be stale if they've been in the same Mm -hmm. job or the same genre for the last 20 years in a row. Freshen it up. Challenge something new. I really wish, I really think the formula is backwards. I really do believe that, I I really wish we could do this. And um, I wish we could take kind of our youngest and our brightest and uh, find a way, kind of like the military. Get in, serve your nation, and then go back and tend to your own field. Yeah. That's sort of the, the attitude George Washington took yeah. on and the founding yeah. of
0: our nation. That's There's- really great. Honestly, I, I remember talking to my you know my best friend who and we, we worked together in the government and we literally, I, actually, I literally remember where I was when we had this conversation. We, we were just going into to number 10 Downing Street. We were kind mm-hmm. of fresh and thinking, how are we going to try and make things better and all the kind of dreams you have. Literally had that conversation. How can we get people to come just for a bit do 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 a couple of years or whatever, however long makes sense, and then go again. No, it's not a life life thing.
1: No, no, and I think and that course, turnover would serve...
0: Really, the civil service is so resistant to that.
1: They are. They they'll they'll make all these arguments. Well, you know, we have so much historical knowledge, and we know how to do things. And I want to say, well, really, like, let's have you change departments. Let's have you change oh industries. Gosh. Let's
0: let's that have is the turnover. So great to hear you talk like that. So I want to understand now the. You talked about the sort of practical aspect of it, you know, Huntsman and so on and, and your transition to politics. But what did that feel like, you know, going from something, I guess, something for the first time really public?
1: Yeah. No. What was that like? felt tremendous pressure to make sure you get it right because you're not only dealing, you're dealing with other people's money. And what I found is government is just pervasive wait, in wait, every I'm aspect of Wait, just talk
0: about the, literally that first moment because, I mean, of, of saying, okay, I'm now going to run for office. Mm -hmm. that 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 feeling of putting yourself out there and having (sighs) a really clear are you going to win or lose you know what was the story did you you know i just want to hear the mechanics of it i guess to start with so we get you know the was it a primary you know how did you get yeah so
1: i i you know i did the huntsman thing Mm -hmm. and very then i got to see up close personal and Mm -hmm. how and i thought and i looked at the 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 utah delegation at the time three house members and two two senators and I felt like there was one that I could, I had a better argument that I I didn't you like. Take him out. Yes, you was, not gonna
0: you're not going to see your two. Yes, I,
1: he's a very nice gentleman, and I don't right. want it to be personal. And I won, you know. So I'm trying to be. So you you launched a primary challenge. I did, and okay. you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to eat one of your own, and like I. That's interesting. I, I didn't know that.
0: Well, okay. no, you kind of you know give deference. No, difference. I meant that you did that. That's how because. But I suppose that's the whole point. of the, It totally fits they you are elections. saying to get fresh blood.
1: That's right. And I said, uh, look, I went to go get Com, and imagine how surprised <laughs> I was. It was available. I mean, <laughs> oh. I, did, I didn't have what you typically normally have, big right. name ID or big yeah. money. I yeah. didn't have personal funds to do this. Uh-huh. We created a, a grassroots group of people and went one person at a time and said, mm-hmm. If you want to be part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I can't get from here to there. I'm not going to raise as much money. I don't have the big name ID. Mm-hmm. But if you can help us, here's what we want to do. Fiscal discipline, limited government accountability, and a strong national defense. Mm-hmm. And then I'd talk about it from there. Well, that grew. And it wasn't showing up in the public polling. I remember, right. and I get the number slightly wrong, but it was something like four, uh, three 3.4% I was polling at. Plus or minus 4.7%. Right, right. I mean, it's like statistical zero. This is yeah. March of 2008. Wow. When we got to the primary in June, I won by 20 percentage points. Wow. It's because we created this big army of people. That's amazing. Who said, yeah, I want to join you and I want to help because I I do want to so be part So were you of seen
0: church. at that point as the anti-establishment person?
1: Yeah, it was sort of pre-tea party. It was sort of uh, like yeah, the front end of the tea party that s- sort of said... There's nothing here that says, that, you know. I argued. I said, listen, the founders wanted this to happen. Yeah. They didn't want you to sit there forever. If they did, then you'd get elected once, and you know, 40 years later we'd revisit the idea. But it's every 24 months in the House. Mm-hmm. That it's okay to not vote for the same person. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do this, and here's how I would do it differently, and dove deep into policy, and right.
0: um, and then once and it got, worked, so you won that primary from nothing. Yeah, by the big margin, and then in fact, it was a safe district. You're basically
1: pretty Congress well. Yeah, point. I mean, I I think every election we had, we were in the seventy-something percentage points. So <laughs> I yeah, yeah. That safe. yeah. I was, right. okay. I never felt safe, and and yeah. you shouldn't ever feel sure. quote unquote safe. Um, but yeah, but that also gave me a mandate to go back to Congress. Yeah, and 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 one of the fundamental things that I think congressmen forget is you don't work for leadership. You work for the people of Utah. Mm-hmm. I remember there was an article that came out. I think it was in Politico and it said 12 thorns in Speaker Boehner's side. And yes. I was on that list. Yeah. And it, I Quite think early on. Yeah. 11 of the 12 initiatives that John Boehner was for, I was against. Interesting. And he would approach so me. You were,
0: you were kind of troublemaker. Yeah. But with a smile on my face. <laughs> That's what we like to see. It's interesting. Um, I was just talking to a a colleague here at Fox, and she's saying that she was previously around about that time in the D.C. bureau Uh or not necessarily at Fox at the time, working in D.C. in, in the media. And she said it was a huge thing that everyone was talking about and writing about was you and your like sleeping on the floor and never working the whole time and, and all this kind of stuff. Just tell us about that a bit.
1: So when I got to Congress, you know, I wasn't financially independent. We had some means enough mm-hmm. so to, to run, but, and mm-hmm. I didn't go into debt in the campaign or anything else. But as I started to look at the pricing of homes in DC, we make a nice income as member of Congress. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but not enough to have two homes and two electric bills and right. two, you know, and so, there were other members that were sleeping in the office. They just never admitted it. And so oh, I did that. And one of the things I think that distinguished me early on is I've always been kind of offended that members of the House of Representatives have spokespeople. Like, really? Yeah, you just got elected yeah. to be the representative, and you have to have a middleman out there to try to protect you yeah. so you don't say anything stupid? That never made sense. So I never had a spokesperson. If you had a question... Whether it be this a constituent.
0: Honestly, it's really interesting talking to you because we've kind of connected, you know, been on the show, as you mentioned, and we see each other. Yeah. But I honestly had no idea how sort of we see things the same way. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. When I was like, just that particular point about the spokespeople, I remember when we were looking at the in, in government about um, back in the UK. One of the things I just that why that you have all these agencies the government bureaucracy and they all have communications departments and <laughs> giant communications departments, strategy departments. I think, why do they need to do this? Why do they need to employ people? They're I mean, there's got to the, be part, some part of the government. You know, like it's ridiculous.
1: There's got to be some organization. You want to make sure you have a good website. That's a you know, but. If I was elected to the representative, I better be able to answer the questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but that was a huge new phenomenon wow. in D.C. That was
0: unheard of. What do you mean? And I guess this is just before the real kind of takeoff of social media and all the rest well, of Well, and thing. that's just around the, that time. Yeah, that's, uh,
1: and I was using uh, Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter mm-hmm. before almost any one of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. At the time, there were Yahoo News Groups. Mm-hmm. And so, if you were kind of rising the ranks of our right. volunteers, I, you would go into this Yahoo news group, and that's how I would communicate with mm-hmm. you and give you some insider information. And it was a closed group; nobody else could see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, but yeah, social media was my friend because right. I wanted to communicate
0: me directly. And did this annoy the old God, if I can use that term? Did, did people? Did you feel that they, they were annoyed? totally
1: didn't get it? Right. There's still a lot of members. You know, we just recently had, I think it was the president CEO of of Google come mm-hmm. up and testify yeah, before yeah. the House Judiciary Committee. And what a joke. Those yes. members, they, they have no idea what to even ask them because they don't understand technology. That's in part because they just don't come from that industry or they just don't have, they're just not part of this newer, well, younger generation.
0: Imagine, there's the technical aspect of it, but also the kind of attitudinal aspect, which is that, you know, you're, you're saying, Sorry, I'm not paid a huge amount. I'm going to sleep on the floor, or whatever. I heard the story. About Had a card. Yeah. Okay. Um, and making a virtue of that, or at least being open about it, um, and shaking things up and being on the list of people that were, you know, against what John Boehner trying to do. You can imagine that that would just that whole attitude would really annoy a lot of people. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, right. But did? How does that? It, but that's what, what it's exactly but what I got they mean to you in, in person, or do you just pick it up? You know, eh, do they swipe at you? How does it eh, work? Some of them, okay.
1: um, it, some of them did. I mean, leadership didn't always appreciate it, but I think also as a conservative in my heart and a lot of libertarian bent to me, mm-hmm. I felt like uh, I can do it with a smile on my face. You know, Mike Pence actually talks about this mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a conservative, but I'm not grumpy about it, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah. um. You know, He was actually in our sort of leadership. He was our conference chairman when I was fairly young in the the Congress and a a good mentor and friend Mm -hmm. to me along the way. And um, I just think getting out there and telling it like it is. I think the American public sniffs it out. Mm -hmm. I think they can tell authenticity Mm -hmm. without some focus group or something else. I think that's in part why Donald Trump does so well, even Mm -hmm. though everybody doesn't agree with every tweet or thing that he says. Mm -hmm. I think they feel like, wow, that's him unvarnished you know that's just that's what he's thinking stream of consciousness
0: so it's interesting just hearing you talk because it now it makes a lot of sense to me that you ended up in that oversight role you know yeah. it just feels like that because that's really when when you left that was remind us what we what were your so i was the was a chairman your, yeah i was the chairman before, of the
1: oversight committee and
0: then bef- was that the only one you, you, you were on you were on you go on lots don't so you,
1: i was no? on the house judiciary yeah. committee but i was really focused on the oversight committee mm-hmm. and that's where after three terms, I became the chairman. It was only right. the fifth time in a hundred years that that had happened.
0: What, but it happened but because I focused on it, it. To being the chairman.
1: Yeah. Usually, it's all based on seniority.
0: So and someone else gets it who's
1: been there longer.
0: But not on that committee necessarily. Well, the
1: three people that I ran against, there were four of us in the running. All of them had served longer on the committee and oh, raised more money. On that particular mo- committee. Yeah, and all had raised more money for the party. So I was dead last in seniority. Dead last. Huh. But I created a case, and I showed the passion for it, and I said, we're going to do things differently than had been done before, Yeah. and this is how we're going to do that. And I literally wrote a 75-page um, uh, playbook yeah. and handed it out and made the case, and my colleagues elected me to to, to chair that Again, committee.
0: Again, it's the same the same as with the primary, same yeah. sort of attitude. Yeah. yeah, I'm the underdog here. I get that, but I'm yeah, going to make totally the case. I can see why you can still connect with the disruptive kind of aspect. And I mean I always think of that as a positive. I know that, you know, that you've got to be careful about the consequences for people, but generally speak and that's how I was seen in, in the UK government. It's like this is like and, and you know, but some supported me and others kind of mocked me in the meet you know, whatever. But that's the you know, it's like that notion of shaking things up, I think, is really important. I, I remember
1: not to jump too far, yeah. but when the Benghazi attack happened, yeah. I was the subcommittee chairman of national security. Uh-huh. And I remember talking to the legislative liaison from Hillary Clinton's office, and he was sort of laughing at me, thinking, hey, we'll just waste the time and, and let the clock run out. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I really lost my cool in Congress, because I started yelling at the guy over the mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. In fact, my staff had to kind of pull me back a little okay. bit. It's the only time I really I, – I, I was a little over the top. Yeah. But I was so infuriated by the attitude and the approach mm-hmm. and the brazen nature of him saying, yeah, we'll just wait this out. You're never going to get these documents. I'm never going to wow. give these up to you. I said, really? I'm going to go to the end of the earth, and you are going to—you have no idea how yeah. long and how hard I'm going to go after this. All That's I'm seeking cool. is the truth. And... It served me well. I certainly didn't have it all fi- figured out. There are a lot of things I wish
0: I was able to accomplish in Congress. But So what, what would you put? I mean, you talked about one. Well, what are the other things that you'd say you're most proud of doing, I guess, in, in that role and oversight? Or, or well, I generally.
1: really truly believed, as I, the more I studied it, that our founders really wanted a vigorous oversight mm-hmm. of the executive branch. Um, it was the biggest committee at the time. Uh, early in the in the in the Congress, it grew, it ebbed, it flowed, it had different names. Abraham Lincoln, when he came to Congress, served on that. He okay. actually challenged the president about the Mexican-American War. He didn't believe the president on where the shots were fired, and he his nickname was called Spotty, uh-huh. and they because he wanted to know the exact spot in wow. which the shots were fired, and he went around the country giving these speeches. I was fascinated by that. And so you move to modern day, you know, when I'm in the Congress, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And I do believe in accountability and that transparency. Mm-hmm. That that makes for a better government when somebody's mm-hmm. looking over your shoulder. And I'm very proud of the fact that everything from Benghazi to the IRS scandal to the stuff we did with the DEA and the Secret Service and Fast and Furious, you know, I got to play a role
0: in that. There's a all lot of, of stuff. That. Exactly. So, so then... And again, now I, I kind of understand, but I'll, I'll, I'd love you to put it in your words, decided to leave Congress. Yeah. There, there Which came, I think a lot of people were surprised about. You yeah, I was very, sort
1: of. You were like a big deal. I was sort of at the pinnacle of yeah. my power, so to speak. You know, that's what most, very few people get to serve as chairman. I mean, there are only 18 authorizing committees in all the House, mm-hmm. and I was one of the chairmen. right in the middle, I kind of packed it up and said, see ya. Um, I, I, I knew that I had soured. -hmm. I knew my life was a little bit out of balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, On a personal standpoint, I had spent more than 1,500 nights away from my family, and Mm -hmm. I happened to have a wife I love and kids I adore, and that was hard.
0: Uh, three kids, uh-huh. two of
1: which are now married, and our youngest is a senior in high school.
0: Married? Oh, my God. I that's know. Like, yes, yes,
1: that's, yes, indeed.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Okay.
1: But, you know, I had done Interesting. essentially more than a yeah. decade, even though it was eight and a half years in Congress, but, yeah. you know, count the chief of staff time and count the, the campaigning time, because I spent two years campaigning, mm-hmm. and I was just out of balance. I was furious at, at Jeff Sessions as who was the attorney general by not providing the documents that we needed for me to do my job. Mm -hmm. Very frustrated with Republican leadership who didn't see the value in oversight, uh, and didn't have my back and my support Mm -hmm. and sort of the combination of all of that came to, all right. Um, I'm not here for a career. I'm not here for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. uh, time to pass the baton and let somebody else try to try to do it. I'm not the only one that can do this job. Um, And I was very inspired by, and I don't want it to sound too corny, but I was very inspired by George Washington when he gave his speech and he left the presidency. Mm -hmm. He could have stayed. I could have stayed. I I would have probably gotten reelected and I'd still be the chairman. But now that they were in the minority, I'd be the the, the ranking member. But nevertheless...
0: So you said the soured was really interesting. Do you mean you soured on it Mm -hmm. or you felt that you had gone, gone a bit I was trying to
1: practice what I was preaching. You know, yeah. it goes back to that book. Yeah. You know, it, it's not the big that eat the small; it's the fast that eat the slow. And I was going at a tenacious pace. I was just going after it, but I also knew that it was time for a fresh approach. And I was just very frustrated uh-huh. that I could not do my job with the lack of our leadership supporting me. And I, I fought the Obama administration tooth and nail yeah. to get documents and the mainstream media and the Obama administration just sort of laughed at me. And then when I sat with Jeff Sessions and had a similar conversation, I just thought, this is ridiculous. So when I, was that? That must have been very early on. It was March or so of, of the new administration. Mm-hmm. And when I sat down with him, he was the new attorney general, had only mm-hmm. been there a couple of weeks. And I came to him with about, oh, I, I'm forgetting the number, but like 15 different things that I needed. Mm-hmm. And I had a case to be made. And he basically said no to all of them. Wow. Uh, not going to do anything on the Hillary Clinton stuff. The Brian Pagliano wasn't going to prosecute him. He was the IT specialist. I mean, I got stories. I got, we don't have enough. There's not enough space on the internet for me to explain all the That's stories. That's really and, shocking that
0: he was so against. Oh, he was terrible. Right earlier, right at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And he would say
1: things to me like. Um,
0: because that was before any of the reporting. Oh, about- yeah. You know, whatever, the struck, you know, the whole kind of all the bits that have come out about how. So Brian Pagliano and FBI were. Yeah. Brian Pagliano
1: was the IT specialist working with Clinton. He had an immunity agreement, but no cooperation, no cooperation need to uh, no cooperation agreement in his in his mm-hmm. uh, to cooperate with the government. We had called him to testify before Congress and he didn't show up. I issued a subpoena. He didn't show up. I issued a second subpoena, had the U.S. Marshals serve him, and he didn't show up. Well, we held him in contempt in our committee, and we sent a letter saying this person should be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. And Jeff Sessions' response to me in short was, I I can't do that. It's just too close to Clinton. And the meanwhile, he's out there tweeting that he doesn't do anything political. He takes the job very seriously. But I had eyeball-to-eyeball experience with him, and I just thought, this is so absolutely wrong. Yeah. And I went to everybody I could in the White House. Reince Priebus, um, uh, Bannon, I mean, Jared Kushner. I, I, I went to everybody I could think of to try to say, you've got to help me. Don wow. McGahn, who was wow. general counsel. And they all said, look, we just don't meddle or get involved with the judiciary, with the, with the uh, just, Department of on, Justice. Yeah. And I thought, but the president
0: is the constitutionally elected. Right.
1: I I agreed. I, I, but I also understood that he, the president, was under investigation with the special counsel. Right. So they
0: didn't want to look like they were being heavy-handed, even though they had absolute authority to do exactly. That's really interesting. So if you're sort of drawing up, kind of, I mean, had you decided to leave before that encounter with Sessions? Or was that really the final kind of I've got to get out?
1: I, when Donald Trump, surprising to all of us, was elected, I thought,
0: oh, my gosh, I'm actually going to get to do
1: my job. Uh-huh. I'm actually going to get to do get to the core of what I need to expose what's going on. Because a lot of times you do an investigation and there's nothing there. Right. Those never make the headlines. Don't even make an article in the paper. OK, so but I thought I can actually get to the root of the problem or at least find out the truth. No and I I could not tell the difference between Loretta Lynch, mm-hmm. Eric Holder and Jeff Sessions. They were all the same to me That's because they so acted. Shocking, isn't it? And it was it was very frustrating. But before that it, it so up until that time I had this surge of optimism yeah. and then this huge letdown.
0: Wow. Okay, well let's just we have not got too much time left but I want to kind of bring bring it up to date. Right. And and just talk about the experience more recently um here at Fox. So yeah. how did that come about, and what what do you make of it so far?
1: I love it because it goes back, to, and you and I talked about this off air, and mm-hmm. we talked about it on one of the sh- uh, on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do buy into this whole Margaret Thatcher approach, which says, win the argument, then you can win the votes. Mm-hmm. And I am a communicator at my heart. It's what I got my degree in. It's what I did in my mm-hmm. private life before I did politics. And I find that there are millions of people that do care and they want to know. And I've had that experience in that that insight that is so rare and unique. And I actually, the further away from it, the more I'm like, wow, I can't believe I, Mm. I got to do that. Mm. So after my wife and I decided, all right, time to go. Then I went and talked to a few networks. Mm -hmm. I got two offers Mm -hmm. and ended up going with Fox news. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with Jay Wallace, who's uh, the president and uh, at the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the co-presidents. And I said, what, what do you want from me? he said, (laughs) He, just, he, he was great. He said, I just want authenticity. I just want you to be you. Don't feel like you have to support anybody or do anything. Mm-hmm. What we're paying you for, what we want you to do is just talk from your heart, that your own experiences, and your own perspective. And I thought, this is a perfect fit. It's a—it's a really a good fit. And so, better balance my life, good experience, wonderful mm-hmm.
0: people, and um, do true, that. That's what I found as well. And, and a lot of people... Look at Fox and they say, you know, I don't want to turn this into some sort of corporate propaganda, but just since we both had the same experience, really, mm-hmm. of, 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 of complete career change to get into right the, And I remember just, and I still am constantly just struck by just what a warm, sort of kind, nice Place it is with just nice people, you know. I mean, I know that some may think, well, you haven't met, you know, (laughs) so and so, whatever. But I, that has been my experience. Yeah.
1: No, and and and, uh, just nice people people. assume uh, the conspiracy theorists out there. Oh, they must want you to do this or that. No, Mm. never had anybody push me. That's exactly
0: the same. But it's interesting because it feels to me like one thing. Again, one of the things that people when you when you said that that was what you're going to be doing just what were some of the reactions? I mean, how did that go down?
1: Oh, that you, you I think legitimately there were, there were a number of people in my own district that were disappointed, frustrated that I'd just been elected, hadn't been there too long into my fifth term. Right. And then I was stepping down and I reminded them that get in, serve and get out. Yeah, I was, just... I was not going to make this there for a lifetime, that that mm-hmm. was my yeah. ultimate plan. And that, my family was a huge priority. I was missing my kid's life and I wasn't going to sit there for another year and a half and try to pretend I'd still be there today.
0: Right. I know. It's (laughs) amazing. It just feels like you, you, you've been part of part of it here for so long, you know, but it's 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 been about a a year and a half. now. Yeah. Roughly the same as when I started. So I think that I've, it's really just, it's just so interesting talking to you because I think if there's one thing that Fox is, um, it's not so much the ideology which people ascribe to it and all the rest of it. Yeah. There's something about Fox that seems—it's to me it's about talking back to the establishment. It's about having that sort of spikiness. Yeah. And and that has come across so strongly from everything you've 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 said about how you saw you know how you first got into politics and you and you and how you saw it then. It's just a natural progression. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's been fascinating. You know what? It changes every day and life goes on and I don't know yeah. exactly where it's going to go in the future. Would I maybe serve in another role in a public sector at some point? Yeah, maybe. Not yet, yeah, though. Yeah,
0: plenty of time. Yeah. Well, Jason, I definitely agree. I think you really are a positive populist. Well, for thank sure. you. So thank I've you. really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so it's much. It's been great. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it.